You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. This podcast is designed for authorised financial advisors. If you are not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow as it assumes you have the necessary training and qualifications to understand the concepts discussed. The information contained in this podcast is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. When a small business owner sells an asset, there are a range of CGT concessions that may apply. These include the 15-year concession, which is extraordinarily valuable, as well as the retirement concession. Now, where a small business owner wishes to qualify for 15-year concession, they need to plan carefully. Otherwise, they may miss out on those valuable concessions. My name is Craig Day, head of the First Tech team, and here to discuss the small business CGT rules and how we need to plan carefully for our retirement when we're selling an asset to qualify for these rules is Linda Bruce. Hey, Linda. Hey, Craig. How are you? Uh, I'm good. And you? Yeah, yeah. Can't complain, right? Excellent. Excellent. So we're talking small business CGT concessions today. So specifically, we're talking, you know, things like the retirement concession and the 15-year concession, all that sort of stuff. Um, Do you want to run through all the different concessions that are available when someone's selling a small business? Yeah, sure. So there are four concessions that are available when uh, when a small business owner uh, selling a CGT asset, eligible CGT asset. So the first one is the best of them all is a 15-year exemption. You've qualified any capital gains out of the sale could be disregarded. Um, the second one, if the 15-year exemption applies, we don't have to look any further. The whole entire sale process can be exempt from the capital gains. But if we can't qualify for the 15-year exemption, we need to look at others. All right, the second one is a 50% active asset reduction, which is different to the 50% general CGT uh, discount that's available to individuals or trust or super fund. They hold the uh, assets for uh, 12 months. You get a reduction, um, a discount for the, for the fund. Super fund is a little bit less. This one is only available to small business owners. If qualified, mm-hmm. the capital gains will be discounted. So it's called the 50% active assets reduction. Now, the third one is a small business retirement exemption. So under this particular exemption, there's a tax cap of $500,000 that can be applied to the capital gains the small business owner uh, getting from uh, a various CGT event is a lifetime cap. So in other words, um, an individual uh, can only get up to $500,000 exemption uh, from the capital gains. And the last one uh, usually is not a big concern to the financial advisors, uh, very avail- uh, relevant to you know, um, tax accountants, is the small business a rollover relief. So what is it? It's when I sell my CGT asset, uh, I'm replacing it with another asset. I continue to run my business. It's just I'm replacing my asset. So uh, that's when the small business rollover relief will come into play. Um, but, you know, there are some strategies uh, w- working in conjunction with retirement exemption, um, but that's outside the scope of this podcast. Okay, so I've got four different concessions there to think about. Now, 
as you ran through all of those, they are all tax concessions, right? Yeah. So obviously that's it's important to anyone that's advising a client, but financial advisors, you know, you would think that the accountant will be working with the client to figure out their eligibility for all of those. So why does an advisor want to get, you know, invested in those different tax concessions? Yeah, it. To start with, it's good to understand the rules so we have a meaningful conversation with another professional like tax accountant. But really, really important to us, um, if our client is eligible to use either the 15 exemption or retirement exemption, there's a good opportunity for putting um, you know, either the entire sale proceeds up to the lifetime cap which is $1.615 million at the moment into super uh, that's available for 15 exemption or uh, under the retirement exemption, the exempt capital gains can be contributed to super. And those, as mentioned earlier, will count towards a special cap. That's a lifetime CGT cap. Um, that's not part of the non-concessional concessional cap. So think about it. It's a brilliant opportunity for the business owners uh, to put a contribution, a large contribution to super. Right. Sorry. Uh, is that my dog or yours? It's your dog. Uh, oh, good old Gus. Good old Gus. Yeah. Now, um, now, before you talked about the $500,000 lifetime concession, mm. Um, but now you're talking about a $1.615 million yep. cap. Yep. So if I'm applying the retirement concession, how does that work? I've only got 500, but I've got 1.615. What's going oh, on there? That's a brilliant question, right? Uh, the uh, lifetime cap, $1.615 million, that's only available for contributing to super. That 500000 we talked about earlier, that's a tax cap. So if one were to use the retirement exemption, not the 15 exemption, but the retirement exemption, they can only exempt up to $500,000 maximum, and only the exempt again can be contributed to super. So because of that uh, lifetime tax cap uh, applicable to retirement exemption, that means you can only put up to $500,000 if you were to use the retirement exemption uh, into super. Uh, so in comparison, the 15-year exemption is just so much better, isn't it? Yeah. So, so yeah, that, clearly. So if I'm getting the 15-year concession, not only am I offsetting a larger amount of capital gains, I actually am able to get more money into superannuation. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Terrific. All right. Now, um, if I'm getting money into super, do I, you know, some of these different types of contributions – you know, they're exempt from different caps, they're exempt mm. from work tests like downsizer. How does it work for the small business CGT lifetime cap? Yeah, uh, it's still a personal contribution. We still have to worry about acceptance rules, meaning mm -hmm. under the current rules, it could change next year. All right, fingers crossed. But under the current rules, um, the our client will still need it to be uh, under age 75, to be precise, uh, at the end of the month, they turn 75 plus another 28 days. That's the absolute cutoff date to make a contribution, including a contribution made under the lifetime CGD cap. And don't forget the work test, at least for the current financial year, I will still have to worry about it. If a client at the time of making contribution, they have reached age 67, then they needed to worry about the work test. If they cannot work, meet the work test, then the work test exemption. 
So that's only available if their total super balance was less than three hundred thousand dollars at the prior thirtieth June. If they right, cannot so- meet it. Yep. Sorry, Craig, you go. No, no, no. Go, no yep. finish, finish. If they cannot meet the work test, if they cannot meet the work test exemption, they simply cannot contribute to super. If they are over 75, then unfortunately, it's not possible to make a contribution even under the lifetime CGT cap. Okay. Now, you, you mentioned, you know, kind of a, a reference there to fingers crossed and maybe it changes. Can you give people a bit of context there? Yes. Uh, so, as per the May federal budget announcement, uh, they are proposing to remove the work test for people aged between 67 to 74 from 1st July 2022 to make voluntary contributions to super and not having to worry about the work test. And we do have a bill, right, Craig? It's in the mm-hmm. house with the House of Reps with the proposed effective date of the 1st July 2022, as what they have announced. But the bill is still with the House of Reps. We haven't seen any movement. And bear in mind, there might be an early election next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I suppose the other thing there is that um, that bill's really talking about where the where the work test sits. So they're moving it across to the to the tax act. We haven't seen any changes to the regs yet. So we're, we're fingers crossed, hoping that when they take the the work test out of the the CIS regs and pull it into the tax act, that they'll just simply remove that work test from the eligibility to make contributions rules, lock, stock, and barrel. So that would mean that we don't need to worry about a work test, not only to make non-concessional contributions, but to make any types of contributions um, up to age 75, of course. Um, So that would include um, uh, personal injury contributions as well as contributions under the lifetime CD2 cap. So we do have to wait for for that one. So the 15-year concession is obviously the most powerful or generous one. What does it mean if I qualify? It can provide significant concessions, uh, both under the tax rules and the super rules. And depending mm-hmm. on whether we're dealing with an individual disposer or entity disposer, the concessions can be a bit different. Um, do you want me to go through the rules? Um, yes. Right? Yeah, yes, okay. Yes. Yep. Let's, have summarize a, quickly. let's have a look at an individual disposer. What does it mean if they qualify for the 15-year exemption? The whole entire sale process can be uh, disregarded uh, from the this way the capital gains <laughs> arise from the sale uh, can can be completely disregarded uh, under the 15 exemption uh, and the sale proceeds from the CGT event up to the lifetime CGT cap can be contributed to super by the individual now mm-hmm. uh, for the entity disposal think about it is a trust and company the trust and the company owns the assets they receive the capital proceeds and then how to distribute those proceeds to the individual. Are there any tax uh, you know, disadvantages? Are there frank dividends, as example? Oh, actually, the tax law provides a brilliant exemption. The company, the entity, can distribute the capital gains portion to the individual, relevant individuals, uh, and that distribution, uh, provided the conditions are met, uh, that distribution can be completely tax-free. Now, the relevant individuals, once they receive the distribution, they have an opportunity to put the money into super. Okay, so I think the important thing there for me to understand is that I, I can qualify for the 15-year concession regardless of whether I'm a sole trader or I, I run my business through through an entity such as a, as a company or trust. So, um, okay, well, obviously, I, I want to go for the 15-year concession. How do I qualify? 
in not just for the 15-year exemption. So let's have a look at a high level what is required to qualify to use any of the four concessions. We needed to look at the basic conditions. So uh, we're not going to go through all the rules, right? We can write a whole book about it. <laughs> On a very, very high level, what are those high uh, basic conditions? The first one, um, the six million net assets value test, or the two million aggregated turnover test that needs to be met, and not both, it's just one of them. And secondly, active assets test. Now, importantly, right, the asset doesn't need to be active at the time of being disposed of. It just needed to be active, meaning used in the course of carrying on a business by either the disposer or a CGT affiliate or a connected entity for the minimum um, for, for half of the ownership period or seven and a half years, uh, whichever is less. So think about it. If someone owned the property for 20 years and it was active for 10 years and then they, they are not no longer use the property for business purposes, that property is an active asset for good because they met the active assets test. It has been active for seven and a half years. So that's okay, so, yeah. so what you're saying is I don't need to sell it before I shut down my business and retire. I could actually retire, you, stop operating my business, yes. and then sell the asset. Yes, you could, but we needed to look at the retirement condition a little bit later. We're just talking about active assets test. You can meet the active assets test, um, you know, at the time of disposal, even if that asset is not active at the time of being disposed of. Okay. Yeah. So we meet these basic conditions, and thank you for not going through those. We would have a four-hour podcast. That's right. If we're going through those. Um, now we're now down into the specific concessions so what other criteria do i need to meet so we're going for the 15-year exemption for retirement exemption mm -hmm. rollover relief they have their own conditions let's have a look at a 15-year exemption again we needed to look at whether disposal is an individual or entity they're a little bit different so for individual uh well regardless of whether disposal or entity as the name suggested the CGT assets must be owned continuously for at least 15 years. So that's quite understandable. Now, let's have a look at the difference. For individual disposal, they individual disposal as, as, must be at least 55 years old at the time of a CGT event. And the CGT event must be in connection with the individual's retirement unless the individual is permanently incapacitated. Now... What if it's a company or trust we're talking about? The rule is a little bit different because we ha might have multiple individuals involved in the entity. We just need to have one individual. And that individual is a significant individual, meaning they have a control of at least 20% in the entity. And that individual needs to be 55 or over. And the CGT event is in connection with that individual's uh, retirement. So by it doesn't matter whether other individuals uh, are over or less than 55 or whether or not they are retiring, which is neither one person. Right. So I get the asset must be owned like continuously for 15 years, um, but the event must be in connection with retirement. And I think that gets quite often overlooked. Would you agree? Oh, totally, totally. Talking to your advisors, everyone get it. 15 exemption, yeah, the assets needed to be owned for more than 15 years. But really, my client needs to retire. To many, that's a surprise. 
Mm, yeah, it is. It's probably, you know, you would think that if you've got a rule that requires you to retire, the word retirement would be in the concession somewhere, but it's not. It's just the 15-year concession. That's right. Um, I think also important to understand here when, when we start talking about retirement, it actually says in connection with retirement. So what does that mean? It's not actually defined under the tax law, um, which is frustrating, right? So uh, we needed to go and have a look what the ATO's interpretation uh, might be. And really lucky ATO actually expressed their view in their publications. You can find it on their website. The ATO says uh, it doesn't need to be a permanent and everlasting retirement from the workforce. However, what the ATO is looking for, they're looking for um, there's at least a significant reduction in working hours, the individual works, or a significant change in the nature of their present activities to be regarded to in, to be in connection with retirement. Right. So we're not looking at the CIS definition of retirement, no. which is actually quite, quite prescriptive. We're just looking at someone that's selling an asset and potentially not going immediately into full-time retirement, but the sale of the asset would be then it's part of them scaling down into retirement. So they're dropping hours significantly or something along those lines or responsibilities or hours and responsibilities um, in relation to the sale of this asset with a view that this sale is connected with their retirement and leading into their retirement. But it doesn't mean you actually have to stop working straight away. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so whose retirement, right? So now I get if I'm sole trader, right? But we talked about entities. So does the company need to retire? <laughs> Obviously not. But how does that work? Yeah, we touched on this a bit earlier when we go through the rules. For the individual owners, we might have a two or three jointly owned assets. If that's the case, we need to look at each and every individual, whether he or she can meet all the conditions themselves. So in other words, each of them, if all of them want to use it, each of them needs to be 55 or over and retiring. If only one can meet, the other two cannot, only this person that can meet all the rules, um, they can use the 15A exemption, but not the other two in this example. Now, the entity is a little bit different. Entities will have uh, one or multiple individuals involved in the entity. As I mentioned earlier, if that's the case, we only needed to look for one individual one significant individual involved in the entity. We don't care about anyone else. We just need one person uh, meet the rules. So that significant individual was 55 or over at the time of a CGT event, and that particular person is retiring. All the CGT events is in connection with that person's retirement. Then the entity can meet the rules, and all others can qualify too. <laughs> Right. So how does that work? So if I've got someone that's not over 55 and not retiring, yep. do they get the 15-year concession? It's the entity who gets the 15-year exemption, but mm-hmm. um, the entity is able to make distributions uh, to all its you know, relevant individuals. We're talking about significant individuals or their spouses are receiving um, has more than 0% percentage so in the entity. Yep. Yeah. So what you're saying there is what once the entity's qualified, now it's just got an amount of exempt capital gains that it's distributing and it distributes those to its significant 
Individuals. Or is it individuals? Yeah. Right. That's right. So, so if I am a part owner of a business and we're potentially selling assets as part of maybe winding up the business, uh, and one of the owners is a significant individual and they're doing that in relation to their retirement. Uh, then when the company distributes its capital gains, distributing tax-free capital gains to all of the significant individuals, um, yeah, all right, terrific. All right, well, that makes sense to me now. Um, Now, ideally, I meet the 15-year concession rules, right? Um, But what if I don't? If we don't, we'll have to look at other concessions. Yes, there is uh, the retirement exemption and that can be used after we apply the 50% general city discount. That's when the assets were held for more than 12 months. That's compulsory. You need to use it. And then there's a uh, optional 50% active assets reduction. We may or may not need to use it. Really depends on uh, the the amount of capital gains. Um, so once we apply all those condition uh, concessions, then we can look at retirement exemption. And if the uh, amount before we apply the retirement exemption is less than five hundred thousand dollars. Great. We apply up to the $500,000 retirement exemption to reduce the taxable capital gains to zero, but it's the tax cap that's the $500,000 that make many people uh, having to pay capital gains tax uh, when they sell assets. All right. So what are the key differences between the 15-year exemption and the retirement exemption? Well, Let's just talk on high level. We'll talk about the two key differences uh, that our advisors really care about. The first one is for tax purposes. The 15-year exemption, if qualified, the whole entire sale proceeds can be exempted from capital gains. We don't have to worry about the capital gains. Great. But for the retirement exemption, remember there's a tax cap of $500,000. In other words, you can only exempt up to $500,000 under the retirement exemption. So, you know, understandably, the 15 exemption is a lot better for tax purposes. Yep. Now, for yep. contribution purposes, um, it's the sale proceeds under the 15 exemption, the sale proceeds. We don't worry about the capital gains. We worry about the sale proceeds. And it's the sale proceeds uh, limited by the CGT cap, uh, lifetime CGT cap, that it can be contributed to super. In comparison, for retirement exemption, is the actual exempt amount and the retirement exemption can be contributed to super. So again, the 15-year exemption allows a person to put a lot more into super, um, especially if the capital uh, sale process is huge. Okay. So can you explain, maybe give us an example of how a business owner's retirement plans obviously can affect their their tax and super positions? Yeah, great. We we'll love examples, right? Things just make sense. We talk through examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say we have a client, Lily. Just keep things simple. Lily is 60 years old, so over 55, all good. Uh, Lily runs a successful business under her individual name. So she's a sole trader. Uh, she runs the business for more than 15 years and confirmed the visa accountant when Lily sells the business uh, for $3 million. Uh, all the rules, basic conditions, specific uh, uh, can be met to qualify for the small business CGT concessions. Now, um, the underlying gross capital gains from the sale, let's just call it a two and a half million dollars. Let's have a look 
if Lily engaged a really good uh, uh, engaged financial advisor and have a really good um, the uh, retirement plan, uh, and as a result, Lily is retiring, or the CGT events is made is in connection with Lily's retirement, meaning Lily could qualify for the 15 exemption. Then, for tax purposes, the whole entire three million dollars from the sale is exempt from the capital gains tax. We don't have to worry about the capital gains tax altogether. Now, for contribution purposes, the sale proceeds is three million dollars. Out of the three million dollars, Lily is able to contribute up to. 1.615 million and the lifetime CGT cap into super. So that's really huge. And on top of that, Lily may be able to make a further non-concessional and concessional contributions to super, depending on the circumstances. Now, right. So yeah. obviously she's under 75 or working at the time, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. We're made her 60, right? <laughs> now, oh yeah. So what if the disposal is not in Yeah, very often time. we hear the cases uh, when small business owners sold their business, they got they um uh, they they hired back by the new owner. They're doing exactly the same activities. They're doing probably a little bit less, sometimes even more hours um, with the new business owner. Right, that's very very common. If that's the case, unfortunately, Lily is not retiring. And the CGT event is not in connection with Lily's retirement. We're not, we cannot see a significant reduction in working hours. There's no change in the nature of activity she's doing. If that's the case, unfortunately, there's no 15 exemption uh, for Lily. What does it mean? Lily will have to go for other exemptions. Just you know, look at the sale. If the sale, if the capital gains is really small, it's only 100, 200,000. Who cares? Just use the retirement exemption. But here, the capital gains are huge. We're talking about a two and a half million dollars. So go through other concessions. We'll apply the 50% general CGT discount and make it 1.25 million. Then we'll apply the 50% active assets reduction discount to 625,000. Then what's the cap for retirement exemption? $500,000. So the leftover gain would be $125,000. That's tax at Lily's marginal tax rate. So it's not as, um, you know, concessional as a 15 exemption at this point. Then from making contribution to super perspective, what's the gain exempt and the retirement exemption? In this particular case, $500,000, that's the amount Lily is able to put into super under the lifetime CGT cap. In comparison, the first scenario, Lily could put $1.615 million into super and the lifetime CGT cap. So, so two observations out of that one. First of all, we, we don't get our planning right and or it might even come back to the sale arrangement of the business right because the, the new owner may say, no, no, I'm buying this on the basis that you're going to give me, you know, 40 hours a week for for the next 12, 18 months to, to let me get into and learn this business and I need you as a key person, right? So if they sign up to that, well, forget connection with retirement because there's no been no substantial decrease in any responsibilities or hours, right? Um, but in that situation, they then qualify. They don't get the 15-year concession, but they do get the retirement concession, <laughs> 
which just seems ludicrous. But anyway, that's the way the rules work. So, yeah, it's really important. Obviously, some people just simply won't be able to sell their business without doing a workout period. They won't get the capital gain because no one will buy the business. They need that key person there for a certain period of time. Um, But if you are, if it is possible to reduce your hours of work, um, being nice to the new owner and say, oh, no, I'll do my 40 hours, you, you might have just cost yourself $125,000 capital gain in this example. That's right. And also very important, that's a really good point, uh, Craig, and uh, uh, also important to note, the ATO noted, uh, noted on their website uh, in their publications, it is possible to sell uh, an asset prior to retirement. But the time frame the ATO illustrated on the website is very, very short. So if the client is engaging with the union and it just work for a month or two, um, the sale could well be in connection with their retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. the time frame is quite, really long, three months, six months, or even 12 months, we just don't know. And most likely the answer is no, but we don't know for sure, right, Craig? So in this case, um, you know, just to avoid missing a really good tax and super opportunities, um, it's worthwhile engaging a tax accountant or uh, go to the ATO and get a private ruling, yeah. right? Yeah. Just ask the yeah. question, is this person retiring? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 cool. All right, so I think to summarise all of that, there's some very, very concessional um, tax treatment. Most people are aware of the Small Business CDT concessions, um, but with that 15-year one, if we've held assets for quite a period of time, that's the one that's going to give us the most, most bang for our buck in terms of the CGT concessions available, as well as our ability to get the proceeds into that concessionally taxed superannuation environment. But to do that, we need to worry about those, you know, those general exemptions, uh, general eligibility requirements, then we dig down into the specific requirements. So for the 15-year concession, we do need to think about, you know, that uh, we're over 55 and we're selling the asset in connection with retirement. So as long as we do some proper planning around that and we're able to target that, then that will ensure the client gets the most bang for their buck from a tax perspective and gets the most money that they possibly can into the concessionally tax superannuation system. Have I summarised it all? Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. Terrific, terrific. All right, uh, Linda, I think, is there anything else we need to know about with this one? Uh, we have an article. It's really complex. So, you know, if you want to go ahead and read the article. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great sales pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's included in the First Tech Monthly. So, yeah, check it out. Well, uh, this will be one of our last, well, it, it is our last podcast that we're going to be recording for this. So I'm kind of hoping that, you know, if you're an advisor or someone listening to this podcast, you're sitting on a beach watching the surf or something like that as, as you listen to us talk about small business CGT, um, or maybe not, maybe not, maybe uh, sitting on a bus or a train somewhere. Anyway, um, thanks, Linda. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please note these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors as a source of general information. All scenarios considered during this podcast were purely hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. You should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decisions and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be accurate and reliable, 
No person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.